0: heard of what is called the Doomsday Clock. Well, the Doomsday Clock is a symbol that represents the likelihood of a man-made global catastrophe. It started back in in 1947 by members of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. This clock is a metaphor, so to speak, for threats to humanity from unchecked scientific and technical advances. In essence, when this clock strikes midnight, it means we've come to the end of our world as we know it. Now, just so you know, while it was set initially in 1947, this clock has been moved forward and backward a number of times. It started as seven minutes before midnight. Now we are down to 100 seconds before midnight. When you look at the world today, do you think that the doomsday clock might be accurate? Do you think we're coming to a time where we are ticking down to the end of this world as we know it? Now, in light of everything that has occurred in the past 10 years and in particular all the strange events and the pandemic, Of the past 18 or so months, I think that clock is closer to midnight than we would care to believe. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. I am now convinced, beyond any reasonable doubt, that we are living in some very perilous times. Times that are almost of what I would call biblical proportions. I know we've gone through world wars. I know back in the dark ages, we had the Black Plague that killed a third of Europe that we know of. We've been through a lot in this world in the past 2,000 years. But there's a different feel, and it's global this time. It's not just restricted to, to places where there's war occurring. It's beginning to happen everywhere. The United States, when you think about it, ...has not really had to worry about having non-stop warfare on our shores. Certainly after the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the Civil War... ...they are parts of our history. But when you look at the overall picture... ...especially for all of us that are born, let's say, right after World War II... ...we never... ...felt the threat, so to speak... ...of war coming to our shores... ...except for the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962... ...which came and faded away. But there's a new kind of battle going on... ...in in the world. It's a spiritual battle... ...if you want to really get to the nuts and bolts. Truth... ...is being turned into lies... Information is being misused to manipulate. People are being turned against each other in ways that I could never have imagined before. Let's just take a few minutes here. I'm not going to talk too much about the pandemic per se, but I want to talk about some of the things that are recurring within our thought process worldwide because of this unexpected pandemic. Once again, go back to December of 2019. As the world celebrated Christmas and New Year, did you think the world was going to do the things you saw in the next 12 to 18 months? None of us saw this coming. And most of us, even myself, when I was called out of retirement to go work in emergency management, I'm thinking we'll get over this thing by the summer and be done and move on. And here we are, a year later, still arguing the same nonsense. You know, misinformation is very destructive, and it's even more so when it comes out of a single source. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. George Orwell called it the Ministry of Truth, and we are really getting that today on a global scale. In the past 10 or 15 years, so many people have gravitated and have grasped on to social media. Go back to the Trump presidency. He daily spoke to his base by Twitter. And up until not that long ago, you could pretty well say most anything you wanted within reason on Facebook or Twitter or even a YouTube video. Since last year, actually going back into the, just prior to the beginning of the presidential race for 2020. Gradually, each one of these tech tyrants began to, to take away your freedom of speech on their platforms. And they were hiding behind special privileges. I know a lot of people say, well, Bob, that's a, they're a private company. Yes, they are. But they're also living under very special protections granted to them way back in the middle 1990s when the first people were getting internet in their homes. What is called Section 230, which is the protections of which these platforms are existing, was designed in the earliest days of the internet when people were starting new businesses that could be easily destroyed by a single lawsuit. I can remember in the early days of the Internet, some of these what you call billboard sites or posting sites or chat room sites. And these protections were designed for the little ma and pa, you know, billboard site in a small town. Let's just say like a Marietta, Georgia or maybe Henrietta, New York, or some other place like that, where if somebody said something, it protected the forum from being the target of a lawsuit, which would ultimately just put them out of business. What has happened in the last 10, 15 years is little upstarts like Facebook have become multi-billion dollar companies with millions upon millions of users throughout the world. Same is true with YouTube. Same is true with Google. Same is true with all of them. They have grown extremely large, and they're extremely wealthy. And as a quick reminder, Google makes their money, and they make billions upon billions of dollars selling you out. Tracking your email. If you use a Gmail account, I remind you that their artificial intelligence bots read all of your email whenever you use Gmail. Just so you know, when you send an email to somebody with a Gmail account, guess what? Google has the right to read your mail. You gave them that right when you took on that free service. Matter of fact, everything you do with Google that is free, <laughs> uh, it does come with a price of your freedom and your personal privacy. You, you essentially surrendered it when you signed on to Google Docs or any Google product. And they, in turn, take that information that you've willingly signed over to them, and they sell it to corporations, and yes... One of the biggest clients that Google has, and I can tell you this firsthand, is government agencies, from mapping to anything else you can think of. The people that pay a lot of money to Google are governments at every level in the United States, from federal, state to local, and literally global, Canada, United Kingdom, all of Europe. They buy this data from Google to learn more about you. Now you have administrations in the United States, for example. I know a lot of our listeners to this program are listening on the weekends overseas. And and all of this applies to you as well. Just so you know, I'm just giving you examples that I can readily quote to you. If you use a Google product, they're spying on you. Ever notice how the Google ads seem to be just what you're looking for? Probably because you made a search on Google looking for something in particular. An example. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were talking here in, at our home in Sky Valley. We have a patio in the back, a deck, and there are certain times that I wish we had like a little awning that we could cover. Not so much from the sunlight, but occasionally in the mountains you can get these little, you know, 30-second showers, And we could pull that down and not have to run right back in if we're doing something on the back patio. And so I started looking at, you know, what it would take to get a retractable awning or something of that nature. That would be the best for our situation here. And ever since, I've been inundated with advertising from Google. Even in my, I even get emails now from people wanting to sell me uh, awnings. Our technology is growing faster, I think, than most people can adapt to its usage. Now, that in itself can cause fear and misunderstanding. We talk a lot about the pandemic, and I had somebody that, that sent me an email. And I, I love this brother in the Lord, trust me, I really do, but I have to disagree with him vehemently on a certain topic that so many people are being led to believe incorrectly, which will be used down the road to make you look like a fool, like QAnon did for many people. It's the 5G boogeyman. Hey, Bob, do you notice when they turned on the 5G towers, everybody got COVID? That is one of the most nonsensical things I've ever heard. Number one, a year ago, there are very few 5G towers out there. So, how do you explain people that never leave a small town where they barely even have four G service getting COVID? There is no correlation, and I've had people try to say, "Well, Bob, you know, look at how it can it can affect the human cells, this and that and the other." Then when you dig into the research and and all the papers that they cite, these are these are non peer reviewed papers or falsely peer reviewed papers. Withdrawn papers, not because there's a government cover-up, trust me, it's because the stuff that they said, and I'm looking at it as a broadcast engineer, is totally insane. I'll tell you what the danger of 5G is going to be. There is going to be a danger, but it's not from some death ray or turning on viruses or creating nanobots that become little submarines in your blood vessels. It's none of that. It's the, it's the ability for moving incredible amounts of data at a super high rate of speed, which we can't currently do, especially in big cities. Listen, where we live part of the year in Georgia, I don't anticipate ever seeing 5G up here for at least a decade. It's just not going to happen in the mountains. We don't even have, I just, all I can barely get is telephone basic service on a cell phone. Forget getting any data. It's just not going to happen. We've been lied to over the past 18 months by what should be a reasonable and factual source of information for the general public. We know that Dr. Anthony Fauci, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, just a moment or two, we know that Anthony Fauci, the good doctor, lied in a congressional committee hearing about gain of function research. We know that he's been playing with this stuff for over two decades. We know that when there was a moratorium put on where you couldn't spend federal dollars on gain of function research to to increase the you know the infectionability of a virus that Dr. Fauci simply sent money to the EcoHealth Alliance, which in turn funded the Wuhan lab, and we know the rest of the story. I'm not even going to waste any time on it. And hopefully, if there's still justice left in this world, which I'm beginning to doubt here in the United States, justice is a fading thing. You know, the website for the Wuhan Lab used to have a number of partners shown on their website, University of Alabama, University of North Texas, the Eco Health Alliance. Remember them? University, Harvard University, the National Institute of Health, the United States, and others. But as soon as, as soon as that hearing was held, the first hearings, well, all those disappeared from the Wuhan website except for EcoHealth Alliance and, for some reason, the University of Alabama. You know, not a day goes by, like I say, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I really have more important things to talk about on today's program. But I just want to put this in simple terms. Dr. Fauci has changed his opinion dozens of times during the past 19 months. We have done endless things in trying to flatten the curve, slow the spread, whatever. We've been told to wear a face covering. And I mentioned for those that listen to the broadcast throughout the week, I saw a public service announcement that came out of Duval County, Florida, with a little girl wanting to wear two masks to go to school so she will not get the virus. Well, guess what? There is a study that came out of Denmark. I've read it. And it shows that wearing a face mask doesn't do anything, doesn't help you at all. When you look at those that wore a face mask compared to those that did not, their infection rate, about 2%, was the same. The 98% in both groups, the same. They didn't get it. It's an amazing study. The next study needs to find out the other half of that uh, statement, Does it keep you from spreading the virus to somebody else? Here's the key. This has become a very emotionally charged issue. You can see it on Facebook. People just arguing, getting mad. I hear stories of family members unfriending other family members over their opinions of the vaccine or face coverings. But there's a single narrative being pushed by Dr. Fauci and and many worldwide governments, locking down, keeping healthy people at home, putting on these face coverings, which honestly are not a healthy thing to do to children in school, like these little kids are going to kill their teacher kind of thing. We've had studies for 40 years about wearing a face mask in the face of a virus. And, And I can remember... When I made a statement on this radio program, oh, maybe back in the fall of last year, somebody happened to hear me on a shortwave station, got the email address, and was just really saying, look at this video. And you say a face mask doesn't help at all. And I looked at the video, and I'd seen it before. And it shows this little video put together to encourage us to wear a face mask. And it showed somebody coughing and sneezing about three feet away from a Petri dish with and without a mask. And, of course, the next day you begin to see bacteria growing more so without the mask than with. Well, that's all well and good if you're dealing with bacteria. And as I said on yesterday's program, a bacteria is approximately 1,000 times bigger. 1,000 times bigger than your typical virus, particularly the one that gives—that that is called SARS-CoV-2 and its variants. Face masks can well deal with bacteria because they can go down to the two microns on the really expensive ones. And a bacteria is two microns or bigger. But when something is one one thousandth the size, explain to me how it's going to be stopped. It isn't. But this has become an issue between people that used to be in the same family and friends. We're being divided. Way back in February of 2020... The Surgeon General said, do not wear a mask because they're not effective. Dr. Fauci said the same thing. And then in July, said, well, actually, I was lying. <laughs> I, I, you know, we all need to wear them. And by December, we need to wear two, maybe three, maybe seven. Who knows? Fauci has had a disastrous track record of misinformation. And it's been shown over and over again. And this is why government should not be the sole source an arbiter of all truth. Because oftentimes there's a political agenda, and as somebody once said, follow the money. So what's happened here in the United States, and this is where I want to get to today. Our government has now nominated itself as the sole minister of truth, and they are now encouraging all the social media platforms to fall into lockstep, to whatever Dr. Fauci and his people say, and even if something is true or factual, but if it doesn't align with the narrative, it must be removed, it must be censored, it must be crushed, and people get their 30-day suspensions from posting called Facebook jail for going contrary to the narrative. Our government in the United States, same in Canada, same in Great Britain, and even worse in Australia, unfortunately, the government's track record on inaccuracy doesn't even begin with COVID, but COVID has grown with it. COVID is just the latest monopoly over misinformation. In July, not long ago, Senator Amy Klobuchar, remember her from Minnesota? She ran for president of the United States in a failed campaign. Thankfully, it was failed. She's introduced a bill. You ready for this? That would strip online platforms such as Facebook and Twitter of their liability protections if their technology spread misinformation to public health emergencies such as COVID-19. Now, I'm all for getting rid of those special protections. But she wants it only if Facebook allows something said that goes against what the government says. This Section 230 protects the Internet platforms from lawsuits arising from content made by users and third parties. Klobuchar's bill creates an exemption to that law where the Health and Human Services Department, well, they they would be dictating what the social media platforms can say. In other words, the First Amendment is being ripped apart and trashed. And what Amy Klobuchar, a morally, intellectually, and spiritually bankrupt individual, has stated, she wants Internet platforms to censor uh, accordingly or face litigation, (laughs) And fines and all kinds of legal scrutiny. It was Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. In April of this year, he ruled in which he weighed in on the ability of social media giants to control free speech. And he goes, the government cannot accomplish through threats of adverse government action what the Constitution prohibits it from doing. In other words, what Amy Klobuchar is proposing is unconstitutional. But lately in this government we have today, they don't care about what the Constitution says. They do it anyway. And here's what I'm concerned about. And this is what I wanted to cover in this first segment. Then we're going to change gears and take this information and apply it moving forward. Because this is where the rubber's about to hit the road worldwide, See, if government censorship here in the United States in particular, in Canada, United Kingdom, if it becomes law, you can look for what's called a social credit system based on government narrative adherence. In other words, oh, Bob Bierman, he goes against what Dr. Fauci says. So he has a lower uh, social credit score because he is passing along what Dr. Fauci admits or says. Is misinformation even though it isn't there's a journalist and columnist in great britain by the name of ross clark and about two weeks ago he wrote an article and what he said was we need to act now this is in great britain we need to block britain's social credit system that's what he wrote about two weeks ago Just 12 days earlier, he had estimated it might take two to five years for a British COVID vaccination passport scheme to come into, you know, to be a full-blown social credit system of China. But he finally figured out it's already being rolled out. And here's something that he wrote. He said this morning, this is back on July 24th, this morning it was reported that the government is planning to introduce a health app in January which monitors our shopping, our exercise level, our intakes of fruits and vegetables, and rewards us with virtue points that we can exchange for discounts, free tickets, and all kinds of other goodies. That's what China does. They've got this social credit score. You get better stuff in their communist society if you tow the communist line. It's the carrot, then the stick. Look at the COVID shots. We were promised these vaccines that are not vaccines, and a lot of people ran out and got them. I know a lot of people that did, and some that now regret. One of my friends, and I I think the world of him, I think he made a big mistake in taking these vaccines. Honestly, that's just my opinion. He said, I finally did it because, as he wrote to somebody, I finally did it, and this is at a public posting. So I finally took the shot because then I wouldn't have to wear this stupid face mask anymore. That's what the administration said. <laughs> now he's like, what just happened here? I got my Moderna shot and now they want me to still wear a face mask? What kind of nonsense is this? A social credit system. This is what you got to be careful about. Grants outside agencies control over your life one step at a time. We're doing it now with the COVID shots. They're telling people you can get free food or bonuses or money. And now we have many private businesses being pressured, government agencies pressuring that no shot, no job. No shot, no job. Margaret Hoover, she's a piece of work. She's one of those think tank kind of people, and she was telling George Stephanopoulos over at the American Broadcasting Company ABC News that she thinks that what needs to be done next is to make life almost impossible for anybody that rejects the COVID shot. And what she's saying is she wants wants making the COVID injectable a requirement, an absolute requirement. For any government-provided health and financial service, including the Veterans Administration treatment, Medicare, which I'm over 65, and of course I've paid for it all my life, and I'm on it now, and I'm still paying for it. And even Social Security payments. I'm retired. They, they want to say you can't have your Social Security or Medicare unless you get the shot. And they're claiming because they have to take care of me later on. What about those that are having adverse reactions from the vaccine? You're going to take care of them, too? Do you see where we're heading? There is this this rush to force people to take this experimental vaccine. They want to do it in a hurry. They also want to cover up treatments that work. We know that. We know what treatments work, and we know that they're called fake news by by basically CNN, MSNBC, and Facebook, or fascist book as I call it, YouTube. They don't want you to know the truth. There's something going on with all this that we can't really put our finger on. And it's not going to be just those of us like my wife and I who are retirement age and we're on Medicare and now Social Security. We're not the only ones that may feel a, a sting, you know, some healthcare workers are being fired for not taking the shot. Other professions are facing the same jab or job dilemma. Even PayPal, which I currently use, and I'm trying to find an alternative. It's still there, but I am trying to find an alternative. Hopefully, by the end of this month, uh, you can still use it because I move it immediately from PayPal, where they can't get it again. PayPal will eventually come against the self-employed and a small business that aren't towing the desired line. Now, right now, they're doing it primarily on extremism and racial stuff and hate crimes. The aim of Facebook is to disrupt transactions to people that tell the truth. That's what it really comes down to. PayPal wants to keep money from going to what they call Hate groups, extremists, which is anybody that probably voted conservative. They want to block them from financial uh privilege with them. And I think some of the big banks are going to follow suit. I I think that's gonna come. Right now it's just over anti Semitism, anti black, and you know, racial. But give it time, give it time. What we're seeing in Great Britain, what we're seeing in Canada, what we're seeing in the United States, what we're seeing in Australia are are the agencies of the state weaponizing truth. Recently, we were talking about some cyber war activity, and that's something else we need to pay attention to. Those will be commanded by artificial intelligence-powered arbiters of truth against information sources that challenge the official narratives. You know, one of the good things about being on shortwave radio, and radio in general, when I put a broadcast up on shortwave, there's no artificial intelligence trying to read the airwaves of shortwave right now. I don't think they even thought of it. They're working in the little domain that they understand, the Internet, and the things that are written. I'm telling you, by the way, there is software out there, I know it exists, that transcripts can be made of my program, and they can decide if it's hateful or not down the road. But I mean, I'm not on the the radar screen yet, but let me tell you something. The day is going to come when the vaccinated against the unvaccinated will have unequal rights and privileges, mandatory passports, a social credit system, all of the above— And I believe in some nations, even forced vaccinations. We were watching on Thursday night, my wife and I happened to put on Fox News. We kind of watch a lot of stuff, and we didn't even put the news on for the longest time. But Laura Ingram was on, and she made a, a a statement I fully agree with. Our governments in the Western world, like in Canada like in Great Britain, Australia, and the United States. Our governments will do all they can do to force compliance if we don't fight back. And too many people are not willing to fight back. They don't want to risk their Social Security or their Medicare. They don't want to get rid of the status quo. They'll, They'll just go along to get along. And the more they go along to get along the deeper into totalitarianism they're permitting themselves to sink. And that's where we are in the world right now. Forget COVID-19. It was a convenient excuse to see how far governments could go in taking away your rights. A couple of months ago, somebody was talking. I think it was like, eh, maybe end of May, beginning of June. They were so thankful that A lot of the states were getting rid of their mask mandates. We're getting back to normal. We can go to a restaurant again. And I made a statement. And what I said back then was enjoy your temporary summer recess from all the nonsense. Because guess what? It will return really soon. (laughs) And here we are, two months later. The Delta variant, the Lambda variant, and and the Lord only knows what's next when we come back on the other side we start talking about what we need to do especially those that are in Christ Jesus this is going to be important because the church as you know it will probably never come back the way that it was you're about to be told to put your faith on the line you better believe it because that's true If you believe in our work here at Truth to Ponder, let me know that you're listening. It's important. I've got decisions to make during this month of some of the platforms we're using. So many dollars come in, and I have to decide where the maximum benefit for those dollars are. We are on shortwave radio, two particular radio stations. So far, so good. We are on an AM radio station and an FM radio station. I need to know which one is doing well. If you're listening on AM, it's important that I know that you're there. It really is. It doesn't take much to keep the, keep it going. I just need to know we can do it. And we're also on some social media platforms, and I'm going to get rid of some. But we're doing, we're doing the podcast the best that we can. And so far, it's growing. I'm moving most of it to an organization called Podpoint. It is a Christian-based platform. There is a monthly expense. It's not outrageous. But it also gives me control of the content. And you don't have to worry about advertising, uh, which I do with the other sites that, are on, that we're on. There's some sites that I have no control over. I permit the program to go there to get maximum distribution, like on iTunes and everything else. Those may someday get shut off anyway. I really believe they will. Google and iTunes will shut it off at some point. So I'm trying to encourage you to go to Podpoint. And we'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. Our mailing address, by the way, my email address to me directly is bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. number two, ponder.com. Our mailing address, if you'd like to help us financially to offset the bills that come in all during the month, is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. That zip code again,
1: 30537. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman. How my three-year-old niece confounded my father. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now I have three nieces. One of them is named Nicole. One day when Nicole was three years old, she started misbehaving big time. She was yelling and screaming and all the adults were trying to stop her. My father, in an effort to get her to stop, wanted to say... When you act like that, Nicole, when you yell and scream, your face is no longer pretty. It becomes ugly. But it came out all wrong. He panicked and said, he came out as, you're ugly. Before my father could correct himself, Nicole, without missing a beat, shouted back in a counter reply, shouting at the top of her lungs. She said to my father, you're handsome. It didn't fit. You don't shout back a compliment. And yet with two words, Nicole completely disabled my father and every other adult in the room. They were stunned. They were taken back. You can't be mad at a three-year-old girl who shouts back, you're handsome. When Nicole did, she surprised everybody, didn't fit, didn't follow. And yet what Nicole did, was biblical. She was following the words of Messiah more than most believers. Messiah told us to bless those who curse us. It doesn't fit, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't follow. But that's what he said. And that applies not just to those who curse us with words, but those who curse us with anything, anyone who's ever done something to hurt us. You see, the, the normal response is to curse them back or, or respond in like manner, in word, in deed, or just in your heart. But Messiah says, do good to those who hurt you. Do something that totally surprises it. Confound the system. Don't react to evil. Overcome it. Do it. It doesn't fit. doesn't make sense. But it'll confound the situation and it will disable your problem. It works. Just ask Nicole. While more asks for the third way. Now, what if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God? A six-month supply for free. Well, you can. Sapphires, daily spiritual vitamins for a victorious walk with God. And updates on Israel and prophecy and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now you can actually spread salvation around the world for very little through shortwave radio from the Arctic Circle to Israel. It's amazing. It's like sending a billion tracks around the world. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. I'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, whatever. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a Nice Jewish Boy, and it's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Yeshua Tenu our salvation. This
0: is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our program, Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Before I get into the next topic, which is really building on all the things we've talked about for months, I do want to share that we're making progress with our online and via satellite radio feed. Now, some of you that listen may have a free-to-air satellite receiver at your house that can pick up Galaxy 19. If you can, look through the radio list. Now, it really depends on who your provider is, where you got the receiver from. We are told if your dish came to you from Glory Star. We should be where the radio channels are, channel 1000, 1-0-0-0, which is the beginning of the uh, radio channels. And you should find Truth to Ponder Radio there. At Truth to Ponder Radio, you're going to find music, which you don't find anywhere else. We're really working hard to make the music we have, Christian music, unique. Also, you can hear this program several times per day as well, and hopefully other programs and even podcasts that can help you in the world we're coming into today. So look for that on Galaxy 19. If you're at our current website, which is truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com, there's a little icon with headphones that says, listen live now. That is for the radio ministry our new Radio 24-7 uh, format. So look there from the webpage and click on that to listen. Still a lot of work to do, and we'll continue to press forward, so let me know what you think. Getting back to the program today, as I said as I started the program, how close to midnight are we? Well, Jesus, when he talked to his disciples, were saying to look for the signs of my coming. Now, no man knows the day or the hour. And that's why all these people that get on there and try to set dates and say it'll be next week, or it's coming in 1988, or coming in 2016, they've all been wrong, or 2012, whatever. They've all been wrong. But I do understand one thing. Regardless of when you think he may be coming back, our Lord and Savior, every day is one day closer period That can't be denied. When I look at the great falling away that the Bible predicts as we come into these latter days, I see it all over. In the western world, Christian church, most of them are no longer Christian. period Let me just say that again. Most churches today in the world are no longer Christian. They're Christian in name only. They may have at one time preached the real gospel, but they have exchanged it for a lie, as the Bible predicted many would. The pandemic has been used to, to curtail a tremendous amount of Christian worship worldwide. And Christians were singled out worse than any other group that I can think of worldwide. You know, in the United States and in Canada, I find story after story, verifiable stories, that during the height of the pandemic last year, when churches were literally shut down, you could worship in a mosque in many places. And they didn't dare say a word. Not everywhere, but they they were more lenient. Then you had some really strange governors with reprobate minds. In other words, they can't even think straight anymore. That would say to a church, only 10 people allowed in your church. We have to stop the spread of the virus, don't you know? 10 people. Now think about this for a moment. Some churches are very small. They have 30 to 50 people. Maybe even less in some cases. Some churches have over 100. And some churches may have two or 3,000 people in their building for a single worship service. Ten people? Come on. A building designed to hold 2,000 people and you only allowed ten. But a small church could have ten. In other words, it was pure discrimination against churches. It didn't didn't have anything to do with capacity or social distancing or anything. It was just an arbitrary, in-your-face rule. The American church has gone into severe decline. Uh, on that, there there absolutely is, there's just no doubt. I have no doubt about it. We are inundated all the time from not just this radio show, but many places you go. There is a decline of Christianity and Christian morality worldwide. Headlines announce the rise of, of those that don't believe in anything anymore. They want to reimagine the family and marriage and raising of children. The LGBTQ movement has really taken its toll on trying to destroy the concept of a family. We have churches that are doing same-sex weddings. We have Catholic charities being ordered to put kids that are up for adoption into same-sex couple homes which they don't want to do. You know, this is what I find surprising and also a blessing. While the United States and Canada and even Great Britain, Australia have been leaders for hundreds of years for spreading the gospel around the world, I do know that Christianity is alive and well in, in some parts of the world, and it is growing It's not growing in the United States. It's not growing in Great Britain. It's not growing in Australia. It's not growing in Canada. It's growing in places like North Korea and China, two places where being a Christian can be illegal and cost you dearly. And also all across portions of the continent of Africa, Africa is poised. And if you're listening to me on the voice of hope in Africa right now, listen to me carefully. The continent of Africa, even with so many nations that are very unstable right now, and elections coming up, Africa could become the leader of world Christianity. That's right. Africa become the leader of world Christianity. The number of Christians... Is increasing at a rate of almost 3% a year. May not sound like much, but it's like compounded interest, my friend. It, it really can add up over time. Even in Asia, we're talking China, we're talking Thailand, we're talking North and South Korea, it's growing at at least 1.5% a year. A hundred million or more Christians. A hundred million more Christians you'll find in Asia than you will find in North America. There are more people that proclaim the real, true name of Christ. Not the namby-pamby, made-up one, love is everything, nonsense, and love conquers all stuff that we get out of our mainline churches today in the United States and Canada. Real Christians that'll put their, they'll put their life on the line. Even India sees growth in Christianity. There'll be more Christians by 2030 if Jesus doesn't return. There'll be vastly more Christians in China, true Bible-believing, born-again Christians in China, than in the United States, even with the wave of persecution, and even with the social credit score and tracking we talked about in the first half of the program. Now, let me share another statistic you may not have heard, and I've been doing some research on this. Did you know that in Iran, Islam is in the decline? Not dead, but it's in a decline. There are many inside of the country of Iran that are leaving Islam and heading toward Christianity. God is moving powerfully inside of Iran. Of course, this comes with more persecution. Where God is truly at work, Satan will resist in Africa, in Nigeria. And I have people that, I, that contact me from Nigeria on a regular basis to pray for them. Right now, nearly 2,000 have died for their faith in Nigeria just this year alone. There's also persecution in many other African countries. And, of course, in the Muslim world, of course... Parts of South Asia, even in India, giving your life to Christ can separate you permanently from your family. The global church is facing real challenges today, the likes we've never seen before. And and the big problem I'm seeing from where I sit in the United States, the church in America is a disaster. The church in America... Too many people that claim to be Christians are Sunday morning Christians. They don't live their faith throughout the week. They don't really believe. They try to hedge their bets, so to speak. Or they go to one of these churches that no longer speaks about the need for repentance and sin. It's just a big love fest. and Let's wear our rainbow vestments and and celebrate same-sex marriages and everything else that goes along with it. I meet people that go to churches that no longer even believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ and his immaculate birth. They have given up on those things as fables and fantasies. You know, as St. Paul said, without the resurrection, we have nothing. We're We're the worst off of all people. Yet Christianity is not dead. Let me share this hymn. And the verse is contained because they really, it's a short hymn, three little verses, but they say so much about where we should be as people of God. Verse 1, rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things, give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the king of kings. Verse 2, rise up, O men of God. In one united throng, bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. And then verse 3. Rise up, O men of God. Tread where his feet have trod as brothers in the Son of Man. Rise up, O men of God. Here's the problem. Christians are not rising up. They are not rising to the occasion. They are not standing and proclaiming boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're living in fear of a virus. They're allowing their churches to be closed. You know, a lot of people say, well, Bob, in Romans 13, it says to, uh, you know, we have to abide by our leaders and our rulers. And St. Peter reminds them again. He makes it very clear that whenever we come to a place where we have to choose between following the mandates of a government or following the mandates and authority of God, if we are Christians, we must, this is not even optional, we must follow the dictates and the law of God over the law of men. And many churches have forgotten that over the past year. You know, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. A lot of churches that I know around the country, places that I, where I know what's going on, they closed their doors, and I'm thrilled that they did. I hope they never opened up again because they're apostate churches. I love it when the virus shut down an apostate church. My prayer is they stay shut down Forever. I pray that we begin to to work on our community. Christianity has always been, on the local level, a community. I'm not saying a commune. There's a big difference. Where they looked after each other's well-being. They often gathered in homes or in out-of-the-way places. They didn't have the big ornate buildings. They weren't the big target. Many a house church. And I think that As governments clamp down worse on our freedoms, there'll be more of these type of home churches. A good friend of mine said he can see the day where somebody with a small bookstore will have a back room. And there a handful of Christians will gather in spirit and in truth and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There'll be no fancy sign, no praise band, no light show, no smoke machine. Just true Christians obeying the gathering of themselves together and sharing the good news of the gospel. That's why I believe in the power of shortwave radio. It's one of the things that will be last cut off. Let's put it this way. My podcast could disappear one location at a time beginning even today. And I'm fully convinced that in time... The location where my podcasts are on will, will get smaller and smaller, and finally down to one or two places, and then perhaps a tech tyrant where they're hosting their servers may pull the plug too. Just like what happened to Parler, remember that earlier this year, Parler got their plug pulled. Hmm, by Amazon. Amazon Web Service said, "We don't watch you anymore. You're gone." Google said, we don't want you in our Play Store. You're gone. Apple said, you cannot be in our App Store anymore. You're gone. It only takes a couple of tech tyrants to shut you down. Even banks and other things are going to fall into place. When we get into our programs next week, I'm just feeling this really strong urge. We, We need to... Plan for the next place this world is going to be. We're watching biblical prophecy begin to play out right before our very eyes. At least in my opinion. Earthquakes, debt, cashless society. We're being prepared for a mark of the beast type economy. I really believe that. People wonder, people wonder, is this the mark of the beast, the vaccines and all that? And I'm not quite able to go there. Is 5G part of it? Well, 5G is not the death ray and all this other nonsense. Just if you have anybody send you that, forward that garbage to me so I can clear it up. I'm a broadcast engineer. I get the technology. And I talk to others and we just shake our heads in disbelief. The danger of 5G is just how fast data can move and move us quickly to a cashless society where certain individuals can decide what you're allowed to spend your money on and what you can't spend it on. These QR codes, trackable, traceable kind of transactions. In other words, we have to eliminate cash. This is all part of the B system, one little piece at a time. And I, I've prayed about this, and this is just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. Everything going on with this pandemic and how they, the reprobates that are in charge of much of our governments, they're beginning to find out just how far you can be pushed before you push back. So as they move forward... They can plan around your pushback. Does that mean we just sit on the sidelines and do nothing? No. Like I mentioned in the first segment, I watched Laura Ingram last night and she made the statement. It's time for peaceful protest. It's time to let our voice be known. It's time not to be silenced. It's time not to be a coward. So where do we stand on the doomsday clock that I mentioned at the beginning of our program today? I think it's closer to midnight That many of us want would want to even believe. I start to think at times we might, even in my lifetime, see the return of Jesus Christ. I think his day is coming very close. I'm not predicting it, but I'm saying everything that it would take is coming into place. We'll talk about that next week as we begin to, to think how we as the church will survive in a completely different age. A cashless society where everything we do can be tracked. We're being set up for the mark of the beast. We'll find out soon who takes it. If you believe in our ministry, would you consider supporting us financially? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We are in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. Until next week when we get together, I pray God's richest blessings upon you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth2ponder.com. That's truth2ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.